Objections Overruled 1 and 2 audiobooks are produced by Lutheran Public Radio and are made possible with support from listeners like you. You can contribute to the production of future audiobooks at issuesetc.org support. Look for Objections Overruled 3 in December of 2023. The story of Jesus is stolen from older mystery religions. Adam S. Francisco Small, ancient, and secretive religious sects are sometimes identified as the source of Christian beliefs. Similarities between Christianity and these mystery religions, especially the cult of Mithras, are misrepresented and overstated. Scripture's testimony about Jesus comes from eyewitnesses to his life who reported their experiences and did not draw on previously existing myths. A wide variety of long-standing religions existed across the Near East during the first century, from Judaism to Zoroastrianism and, of course, Greco-Roman polytheism. There were also many small and secretive sects throughout the region. They are often called mystery religions. Little is known about them because members were sworn to secrecy. The historical evidence that exists, however, tells us that they each had distinct ceremonies and sanctuaries dedicated to a particular regional god. There was a cult of Tammuz in Mesopotamia, Iraq, Attis in Anatolia, Turkey, Adonis in Syria, Demeter and Bacchus in Greece, and the list goes on. Scholars once assumed that, while each of these small religions was unique, they also shared a core set of beliefs. Many seemed to parallel the story of Jesus. They included myths about a dying and rising God, some sort of atoning sacrifice, and more. This idea was made popular over a century ago in Sir James Fraser's multi-volume book entitled The Golden Bough. It surveyed a plethora of ancient religious myths and included Christianity in their midst. The Golden Bough influenced a generation of scholars. They developed the claim that much of the story of Jesus, especially his death for sin and resurrection for justification, was merely copied. The sources were the texts and rituals of these earlier mystery religions. The authors of the New Testament flatly deny this, of course. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty, declares 2 Peter 1, verse 16. Indeed, the Gospels were written by eyewitnesses to the life and teachings of Jesus and their companions. Their accounts are filled with details that can be verified by historical and archaeological evidence, and many have been. This is quite different than the stories of the mystery religions. None of them even claim to be based on real events. Most of them are simply mythological interpretations of the vegetation cycle of crops emerging from their dormant state after winter. As it turns out, the argument of Fraser's The Golden Bough and other works like it have been shown to be contrived interpretations of weak evidence. There is one notable exception, the cult of Mithras. For those who maintain that the story of Jesus was plagiarized, it is the most cited example. Mithras was a Persian-Iranian god who was said to be born of a virgin in something like a cave on December 25th. He allegedly had twelve disciples to whom he promised eternal life. He sacrificed himself for some greater good, was buried in a tomb, and rose again after three days. Mithraism of some form predates Christianity by over a thousand years. It held sway in Persia for most of its history. Eventually, it made its way west into the Roman Empire. 
By the second century, it had risen in prominence and existed side by side with Christianity. It should come as no surprise, then, that it has attracted the attention of Christianity's critics. Its parallels to the story of Jesus are uncanny. What is surprising, though, is just how weak this allegedly strong example of Christianity's plagiarism really is. First, while Mithraism is ancient, there is no evidence that it was present anywhere near the New Testament authors until after the New Testament was written. As far as the similarities between the life of Jesus and the story of Mithras are concerned, any evidence comes from Mithraic texts dating to the 2nd century AD. There are no stories in Mithraism that existed alongside or centuries before the first generation of Christians. The leading scholar on Mithraism and Christianity is Edwin Yamauchi. He argues that the similarities between the two religions are best explained by Mithraism being influenced by Christianity. Most significant, however, is that the alleged similarities listed above aren't really found in the Mithraic texts. They are common but erroneous interpretations of them. The texts say Mithras was born from a rock, not a virgin. For whatever reason, the rock is sometimes viewed as a metaphor for a virgin. There is no mention of Mithras being born in a cave either. Mithraic sanctuaries were built to look like caves, and Christians have historically wondered whether Jesus was born in one, since animals and thus mangers were often kept in them. But neither the Gospels nor the stories of Mithras say anything about Jesus or the Persian god being born in a cave. There is also nothing in the New Testament stories of Jesus' life that claim he was born on December 25th. It is in the Mithraic tradition. Researchers believe it was adopted from the Roman cult of Sol Invictus. Mithras and Sol Invictus were often depicted together in pagan art. Christians originally placed Jesus' birth on January 6th. Some still do. It wasn't until the early 4th century that the Roman emperor Constantine changed it to December 25th. Perhaps he did this to disenfranchise Sol Invictus, the pagan deity he used to worship before his conversion to Christianity. Additionally, Mithras is never referred to as a teacher with twelve disciples in Mithraic texts. There were followers of Mithras, just like there are followers of every religion, but nowhere is he viewed as an itinerant teacher who lived in real time and space with a distinct group of immediate followers. Mithras does implicitly offer immortality to those who worship him, what religion doesn't. What he does not offer, though, is salvation through the forgiveness of sins and justification of the sinner before God the Father. There is also no evidence of Mithraic teaching that Mithras sacrificed himself, was buried in a tomb, or rose from the dead. So why the claim that the story of Jesus was merely plagiarized from this and other pagan sources? There are many reasons, from anti-Christian bias to fascination with anything sensational and conspiratorial. Everyone loves a good conspiracy theory, wrote Dan Brown in his best-selling The Da Vinci Code. But behind it all, and from the time this charge was first asserted, lies the assumption that the story of Jesus could not be true. Explaining the story of Jesus as plagiarism of earlier myths commits the logical fallacy post hoc ergo propter hoc, since Y followed X, Y must have been caused by X. There really is no evidence that comes close to establishing any mystery religion as the source of the accounts of Jesus' life. In fact, you won't find such a claim in any serious historical scholarship anymore, as it has long been discredited. 
See chapter 4 of Lee Strobel's The Case for the Real Jesus on this. It only gets repeated in popular literature and other media that arbitrarily, for the sake of popularity and profit, exempts itself from the standards of professional historians. So where did the story of Jesus come from? It is important to understand that this is essentially a historical question. Our answer, then, should be informed and constrained by the evidence. This does not mean evidence selected and presumptuously interpreted to fit a narrative determined by prior assumptions about what can and cannot be the case. What is the evidence? For starters, the New Testament insists, as in the passage from 2 Peter quoted above, that the testimony of the apostles was not based on some earlier myths. Instead, it is derived from their experience with the real historical man, Jesus of Nazareth. Luke tells us that he followed the example of the biblical authors by constructing his gospel on and ordering it around the testimony of the eyewitnesses, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Paul insisted that Jesus' life, and especially the events surrounding his death and resurrection, did not happen in a corner, Acts chapter 26, verse 26. The facts were well known by both Christianity's friends and foes. In fact, Paul staked all of Christianity's credibility on one historical event, the resurrection of Jesus, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 14 and 17. Any foe, and there were many, could have easily discredited the event by producing his corpse. By extension, this would have discredited the whole Christian faith. They certainly had every means, motive, and opportunity to do so. Additionally, the story of Jesus is told in a way that is radically different than any text or other evidence for the mystery religions. The latter don't even pretend to be based on historical events. The Gospels are entirely different. They not only situate the life of Jesus in real time and real space, when Pontius Pilate was prefect of Judea, Caesar Augustus and Tiberius Caesar were Rome's emperors, and Joseph Caiaphas was high priest of Jerusalem. They are also filled with all sorts of geographical and historical details. These correspond to what historians know from extra-biblical sources and what archaeologists discover in the dirt and among the artifacts of the Holy Land. See Paul Myers in the fullness of time for an account of many of the details. Lastly, there is literally no positive evidence suggesting the story of Jesus was stolen. But there is also no way to explain why many of the eyewitnesses who spread the news about Jesus would go to their death for a story they knowingly created from pagan myths. All but one of the apostles was killed for telling the story of Jesus of Nazareth who suffered, died, was buried, but rose from the dead. People often believe lies. Some even die fighting for causes that are built on them. They do not willingly die, however, for advancing what they know to be untrue. The same logic applies here. Myths don't make martyrs. It is hard to imagine all the apostles, except for John, enduring torture and death for what they knew was not true. In any case, there is no evidence that the story of Jesus was copied or stolen from the myths of the mystery religions. The parallels that exist are vague and arbitrarily interpreted to make them fit a detail in the life of Jesus. This is done not in the interest of scholarship or in pursuit of understanding what really took place. Rather, it is done to prove the assumption that the story of Jesus just cannot be true. 
a close look at the evidence with the intent of letting the evidence determine what is the case shows that the story of Jesus was derived from eyewitnesses. It was written by authors who not only asserted they were telling the truth, but wrote so that their testimony could be, is, and continues to be verified for its truthfulness. History, archaeology, and the integrity of the apostles all bear witness to the fact that the accounts of the Gospels are not cleverly devised myths. They are the primary source records of the life and teachings of Jesus.